What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, a new film out on Netflix is set in Harlem but has deep Chicago roots. Passing is based on the 1929 novel of the same name by Nella Larson. You see, Larson grew up around Kenwood, and her experiences as a biracial woman informed this story about a light-skinned woman who passes as white. We talk with the local writer about what we can learn from Larson's work today. It's Thursday, November 18th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Pardon me, I don't mean to stare, but I think I know you. I'm afraid you're mistaken. No, of course I know you, Rini. You look just the same. Tell me, do they still call you Rini? Yes, so no one's called me that for a long time. Don't you know me? Not really, Rini. I'm afraid I can't seem to place. <laughs> Claire? Mm-hmm. That's right. Irene Redfield and Claire Kendry are two light-skinned black women that grew up together on the South Side. But as an adult, Claire has married a white man who doesn't know she's black. The film begins with the two women reconnecting in New York, where Claire tries to get in on Irene's Harlem social scene while still passing for white back at home. Amina Gautier is a Chicago-based writer and an expert on all things Nella Larson. So passing is a reference to racial passing when a person of African descent looks visibly white enough to be able to assimilate or acculturate into a white community without being detected. How much have novels and literature explored passing. This is not an African-American writer, but Harry Beecher Stowe's Uncle Tom's Cabin, you know, very important novel for African-American literature. Part of the way some of the slaves like Eliza and Cassie and Emmeline escape is that they pass for Spaniards or Italians. After the end of the Civil War, you still have writers writing about characters who pass. You have James Weldon Johnson writing about a character who passes in the autobiography of the next colored man. That character passes because he witnesses racial violence. He witnesses a lynching. And so he decides to pass for white, basically. As a means of survival. Right. So you have, you know, characters passing because it's just generally agreed that white Americans have more social social and economic opportunities. And then you have characters, when we think about like a lot of Harlem Renaissance novels or novelists and short story writers, they all have characters who pass, but they start to think about what are the 
racial consequences, like what do you lose? They treat them with a level of, of pity, right? We sort of feel bad for these characters because you think about the moment of the Hall of Renaissance, like Black is in vogue. Black art, Black music, Black literature. And if you pass for white, you lose your access, which is, I think, where Larson fits in. Right. Can, can you tell me who was Nella Larson, even prior to being a, a novelist? So Nella Larson was the daughter of two immigrants, a white Scandinavian woman, Marie Hansen Larson, and a man from the Virgin Islands or the Danish West Indies. Her father left the family or died, and the mother remarried a white husband. So Larson grew up in a family that was completely white in a city that legally has opened its doors for racial integration, right? 1874, public schools in Chicago become integrated. So what you have is on the books, Chicago looking like a place that is this diverse melting pot, but you still have anti-miscegenation sentiment. You have segregation. In the middle of that context for a person who visibly appears to be Black to sort of claim her white mother made white and Black people uncomfortable. The characters in her book were also biracial and navigating the complicated layers of their racial identity during the Harlem Renaissance and post-World War I America, you know. Was Larson like any of her characters? You know, some of Larson's letters say that, you know, she like, allowed herself to be mistaken for other things sometimes. And you have to keep in mind that Larson is super intelligent. She's super witty. She's super sarcastic. She loves satire. So she has letters during the Harlem Renaissance where she's talking about people meeting her and assuming that she's from the Virgin Islands or that she was like from some sort of jungle and bush and her kind of like playing along and, and, and playing it up, you know, which is different from her contemplating passing for white. And we don't have any conclusive evidence that that's something that Larson ever attempted to think about or do on a large scale. But what you're talking about is like those particular circumstances and those things I think do impact our reading of passing um, and influence why a character like Claire Kendry um, would feel that it's something that becomes necessary, right? Because if we think about all the racial hostility in 1904, 1905, everything is stratified. If my white family can be here and, you know, socially, I'm not going to be allowed to mix with them, right? And now, like, I can't do these things as a Black person. Where am I going to go? Where am I going to be? And Clara Kendry is a a victim, I'm going to say that with air quotes, right? A victim of this sort of social stratification. Stick around. We'll be right back. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. 
I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. In the film, we first meet Irene, who's played by Tessa Thompson, while she's out buying toys for her kids. And she's she's really passing as a matter of convenience, so she can shop and get some lemonade on a hot day. But you can really see that she's cautious. She keeps her head down. She's always like looking around. Her hat's low. But then we meet Claire, played by Ruth Nega, and she's calm. She's very much actively passing in white society. She's married to a white man. And yet there's a part of her that wants to reconnect with the black community, even if superficially. Perhaps I can come visit with you another time in Harlem. Meet your boys. We're here quite often, and if this trip goes well, well, John's quite sure we'll move. It's my dream to come back, really. Can you tell me how Larson interrogates race in the novel through both of these characters? One of the things that uh, Irene Redfield points out is that her race is sort of determined by who she's with. So that when she's with her husband and her two sons, no one would ever mistake her for white. And then when she's by herself, she seems to be racially indeterminate. And I think that goes back to this idea of belonging, like needing a family or something to provide context to ground your um, racial identity. Larson is one of the few writers when she's into, you know, when she's investigating the passing phenomenon or talking about mixed race characters who depicts mixed race characters who have been raised in white households. Like you think of other Harlem Renaissance author Zora Neale Hurston's Their Eyes Were Watching God. I mean, like how much more famous can a novel get, right? You think about Janie. Janie is a mixed race character, but she's raised by her Black grandmother. She lives in Black communities. And those novels with mixed race characters are more of the norm. Larson was really staking new ground by sort of exploring these relationships and how uncomfortable they made members of, you know, African-American middle class. This narrative, when I, in, you know, 2021, often when people talk about it, we, we treat it as a character, something to, like, you know, we point out, well, you still have privilege as like a, a, a light-skinned Black person, right? Like, does the conversation around passing also play into uh, conversations of colorism? There's this scene where Irene... Claire and then their friend um, who, you know, also has who has married a white man, but who has not passed. The second friend basically says that she made sure, you know, that she never would have married her white husband if he thought that she was white because she was afraid of what the children would look like. And Claire chimes in and says that it caused her a lot of anxiety, too. And that's why she won't have another child because she was so afraid that the child might come out looking dark or, or looking black. 
they also talk about this in the movie, but it's a little different. It's just Claire talking to Irene. Well, they have twins. Isn't that wonderful? Mm. Boys. Oh, I'd love boys. I'd never risk it again, though. I went through hell those nine months of fear Marjorie might turn out dark. Mine are dark. Oh. And your husband, he, he couldn't exactly pass, if that's what you mean. Oh, I thought. <laughs> oh, well then. <laughs> In the novel, Irene actually responds. I don't want to say she reads them, but, you know, she kind of poking fun. Like, how can you say that you want to return to Black culture and you love all these Black things, but you don't like Black skin color? And that's something that Larson continually does, points out the hypocrisies and the contradictions of, you know, people who are sort of living in Harlem at a moment that's celebrating, like, Black culture, but who don't want to be, quote unquote, too Black. One of the things I took from both the novel and the film is the commodification of race and how the idea, even for Claire, that participating in Black culture was not participating in Black struggle, yes. the Black fight for liberation. It was to participate in racial capitalism. It was to participate in music and and conversation and space that ultimately serves like a, a, a sort of uh, kind of consumer mindset. She wanted to consume Blackness. She wants, you know, all of the flashy, good parts of it that everyone is attracted to at that moment, but she doesn't want to be in the trenches. She doesn't want to do the work. She doesn't want to identify with the with the struggle. And I think one of the things that Larson is doing in the novels is basically saying, if you're going to love us, love all of us. You're going to love the culture, love the struggle. If you're going to love, you know, Black beauty, love it in all the complexions that it comes in from the lightest to the darkest. For audiences who are coming to Larson's work, either via Rebecca Hall's adaptation of Passing on Netflix or through the novel, um, how, what do you think they can ultimately take away from this story? I think the main thing to take away from any of Larson's work is the importance and the value of kinship and the idea of, or the necessity of belonging, because it's something that a lot of us may take for granted. And the question of what will you do to belong? Dr. Amina Gautier, thank you for taking time to join us on CityCast Chicago to talk all things Nella Larson. You're very welcome, Jacoby. You know, Delta's always come through. Hey, and as an alpha, we sit and listen. Fire and ice. <laughs> oldest and the coldest. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. City Council approved a measure that would give the Chicago Police Board the authority to remove someone from the yet-to-be-developed gang database. A CPD has been tasked with creating a new database as the previous one was riddled with errors and proved to be racially biased. The city is accepting comments through November 29th on the new database. I got a link for you in the show notes. And some good news to get you through. As the cold is setting in, one thing you can look forward to is ice skating. Yeah, skating rinks in Maggie Daly Park downtown and Gallagher's Way in Wrigley open tomorrow. Check the show notes for the closest ice rink to you. I might actually get out there this season. 
Probably not, though. Probably not. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. <laughs> I ain't getting out there. It ain't happening.